Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Merry Christmas to you. So glad that you've come to join us on this special Sunday morning as we remember Christ and all that he has done for us. And we're, com- we're culminating our, ser- our sermon series this morning, uh, Jesus' Crazy Relatives. And uh, we're, we've looked at uh, different people like Enoch, we've looked at other people like Rahab and James, the Lord's brother. Uh, and you may have been like one of those people, maybe you were a God-pleaser, maybe you were a person with a heavy past, or maybe you, you were a doubter, maybe a skeptic. And out of all those people, there are two that we need to add in this special weekend. And uh, those two people are important. Now, one of them is rather close to Jesus, and the other one, well, maybe at a distance. Uh, But we have these two, and the big reason we need to look at them is because of their responses to God. And so this morning, we're going to look at Mary, Jesus' mother, and also Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And you say, well, does, what, what does that have to do with Christmas? Well, we know Mary and her situation. And we, we see that those two stories, those two accounts come together in, in the first book uh, or in the first chapter of Luke in chapter 1. We're going to look there in just a little while. But each of Jesus' crazy relatives responded to God in their own way. Just like each of us, we respond to God in our own ways as well. And these two people, Mary and Zachariah, both had been minding their own business. They were walking on their life's journey, doing what they knew to do best, and God hijacked their lives. That's what it comes down to. Have you ever felt like someone has hijacked your life? Well, uh, maybe you have, maybe not, but to hijack somebody is to seize them and to take them another direction. And uh, that's kind of what happened with Mary and also with Zachariah. And we, we know there's the illegal kind of hijacking where somebody takes a, takes a boat or a plane or, or something like that or a car. And then there's the, the kind that's legal, you know, where they confiscate something and because they got it with illegal means or something. But we're not looking at that this morning. Uh, but uh, there is a story that many of you may remember from back in 2009. And back in 2009, the mayor's uh, Alabama hijacking was actually a series of maritime events that began on April the 8th, 2009. And there were four pirates. They were in the uh, Indian Ocean seizing the cargo ship. It was on the eastern coast of uh, East Africa. And... Uh, we found that uh, the mayor's Alabama was 240 nautical miles off of the coast of Somalia. You know where that's going. And uh, we see that the ship originated with, from Salala, Oman, uh, in the Middle East, and it was bound for Mombasa, Kenya. And Mombasa is a big port on the eastern side of Africa, and uh, they, they had stopped at one country, and then they had a crew of 23 people with them. They were loaded with 17,000 metric tons of cargo, and all four of the pirates were between the ages of 17 to 19. 
And uh, they, when they come to the ship, the guys run to the safe room, except for at least the ship's captain. Some of you may have seen the movie about it, but Captain Phillips, or uh, he was left uh, uh, by himself, evidently, or maybe with some others, but he escorted the pirates to the lifeboat to show them how to operate the thing. And, but then the pirates fled in the lifeboat, but they took him with him. And uh, they took him as a hostage. He didn't get to go all the, to the place that he wanted. And so the siege ended after a rescue by the U.S. Navy in uh, April the 12th in 2009. And it was, from what we know, it was the first successful uh, pirate seizure of a ship registered under the American flag since the 19th century. And it was the sixth vessel in a week to be attacked by pirates who had previously escorted, extorted uh, ransoms of the tens of millions of dollars. And you say, why are you talking about this on Christmas time? Well, because it was a hijacking. And they were minding their own business. And the next thing they knew, they were hijacking, going a different direction than where they expected and we don't, expect, uh, we don't expect things like this to happen, but isn't this what happened to make Christmas happen? Really, it is. Because the life of Mary and Joseph, the life of Zechariah, and then only to bring us hope through the Son of God who is to enter earth, to come to this place. There may be a time that God hijacks your life. Uh, some of you may even say, well, that, that has happened to me before already. And uh, we, we have to ask a question like this, though. What will our response be when God does hijack our lives? For some of you, you've already had that happen. But when it first happened, you didn't know what you were going to do. You weren't sure which way was up. And you were a little concerned and maybe even frustrated. And likely, once you get past the shock, you realize that it was actually a good thing when God stepped on the scene and He worked in your life. As we look at uh, Mary and, and Zachariah's encounter with the angel, we find that they both respond differently to the Lord. Both of them were going to be extremely blessed by God as well because something special was happening in their lives. And after they got over that shock, they were able to accept what God was going to do in their lives and even through their lives. Now we find the first hijacking in Luke chapter 1. If you'll look with me, it should be on the screen for you this morning. Verse 5, and it says this, A priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priesthood, priestly division of Abijah, his wife Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God. Goes on in verse 7, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Verse 8 says, once, uh, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood, that's what they did, to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. So here, as, as a priest, Zechariah was one of those men chosen to represent his division in its yearly appointed service in the Jerusalem temple. That's what they did. That was his job. That was his ministry. And the priests were divided into 24 different orders, and each were assigned an annual two weeks of service. But 
One day he was going into Jerusalem to serve because it was his time and Zechariah was selected by Lot. And uh, this was a privilege granted to a priest that typically only once in a lifetime to go in to do what he was doing. Now listen to what happens here in Luke chapter 1 verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, jumping to 12, when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zechariah your prayer has been heard that should be a good thing right but he's afraid here at this point and he says your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to call him John he will be a joy and delight for you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his, he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, what are you talking about? No, he said this. He said, how can I be sure of this? I'm old, I am old, an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now, he's a nice guy. He was a little bit, uh, you know, he was careful with that one. You can see that. We all, all us guys, we know that. Okay, but here's Zechariah, and he is just a little bit shocked. And so much so that he was gripped with fear, the Scripture says here. And so the, the next thing you find here is an angel telling him, God has heard your prayer, and you old man with your old wife are going to have a son. And he's probably thinking, when did I pray this prayer? Was it like 25 years ago? I don't know, I'm not sure, but... But then the angel lets him know that, look, we don't know this guy's, we don't know the angel's name at this point in the text yet, but, but, he, but he says, you're going to have this miracle child and we want you to name him John. Then he even tells this priest, Zachariah, that his son, the son of his old age, is going to prepare the way for the Lord. I'm sure that Zachariah was like, who is who's playing a cruel joke on me? Who is messing with me? Who has got somehow into the temple uh, and is doing this? It's like he was saying to this unnamed angel, how can I really believe you at this point? He, he had to feel good about his encounter, though, because one, he, ended, he stayed alive. He didn't die in there. And number two, he did end up having this child and having a son, not just a, any child, but a son in this stage. And and the people thought he must have seen a vision. You know, he's in there for a while. If you look through the passage well, that he's in there for a while and they're wondering, why is it taking him so long? And I'm sure some of the priests probably said to the others, well, why don't you pull on the rope? Do we need to pull him out of there? You know, they had the rope tied on him in case something happened, something went awry inside. And, and, and so, but that doesn't happen. But look at what the angel said to the priest in verse 19. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. 
And now you will be silent and will not be able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So we see here that the angel does a couple things that are significant for us. He, he gives him his name, Gabriel. He's like, look, okay, I'm talking to you now, but you've got to understand who I really am here. And he gives him his name. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the Lord's presence. So don't think this is a joke. Don't think this is unusual. And what I am telling you is right and true. Can't you even see my ID here? I've got it on. You know, I've been in the Lord's presence. And really, you would think that Zachariah would have been totally excited. First, because he gets to be the priest that offers the incense up at this very special time. Uh, which was a, a, a great opportunity, but he must have felt interrupted. He must have felt that at this time when he is supposed to be in there uh, worshiping the Lord and offering this to God, that now he's been hijacked. Something's got in his way. Maybe he was just a little bit frustrated. I don't know, but he was interrupted. But his interruption was an answer to a prayer. He didn't seem to, to really get it at first, though. In fact, Gabriel even says, look, you didn't believe my words. You won't be able to speak until this baby is born. Until you have this boy, you won't be able to speak. So how do you respond to God when He catches you off guard? I think all of us have been caught off guard at one point or time in our lives. And you know, this is Christmas season, so we know that people are getting ready, prepping their houses, prepping for uh, any kind of get-togethers you may have or and so, so say you've got some family members, you know they're coming in at some point, but you're not expecting them till Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And all of a sudden, you know, you hear the doorbell ring and it's like two days early. You're thinking, who is that? Must be the mailman. Must be a package or something. No, you go to the door and it's Uncle Bob and persnickety Aunt Betty. There they are. They meet you at the door. You open the door with uh, severe hesitation and uh, then you, because you're not ready, you know, that not everything's put up and ready to go. And, and you're, you're depending on time and time wasn't on your side at that point. So you let them in and as you let them in, you close the doors to the dining room that's not ready yet. And you bring them in the house and all that kind of stuff. We all have times when we're surprised, but one thing, it's one thing to be surprised by Uncle Bob and persnickety Aunt Betty, but... But when another thing, it's another thing to be surprised by the Lord. And so how do we respond in those times? Well, for Gabriel, he was right. And, and he gives a message across to Zechariah. Look at verse 22 with me here in, Zechariah, or in Luke 1. When he, Zechariah, came out, he could not speak to them, meaning the people that had been outside, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Then over in the last, uh, the, uh, in verse 24, it says, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. She's probably saying, hey, I want to make sure this happens. And the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. It was an answer prayer. It was an answer to prayer, and it was an answer and a promise fulfilled. So why do we question God at times? Why do we do it when we know that He can come through and will come through? Why do we do that? Well, 
Later we find Elizabeth has that baby in her old age. And everyone is saying to her, you need to name him after his dad. That's what you got to do. That's just the best thing to do. You know, they, they must have had some real family ties and some influence, and they're trying to get her to name him Zachariah. And she's like, no way. Uh, uh, we're not going to name him that. I'm going to call him John. And so then, the, then, the, then everybody asks Zachariah, the dad, well, what are you going to name him? And uh, so uh, he gets out a paper or something, and, and he writes something to him and tells him, hey, his name is John. His name is John. He obeyed the Lord. He obeyed the Lord in that he got his voice back, and when he followed through and obeyed God, the promise came full circle for him. From this fulfillment, Zacharias sings a prophetic song to the Lord, and we see it there in Luke chapter 1. And I'm not going to go through that, but we're going to look into the next moment here as we consider what's taking place at this wonderful time. Really, it's a second hijacking. We find it in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and here it reads this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So it's something important for us to note here that the, the angel of the Lord came and met a Zechariah first and in the temple of the Lord nonetheless. In a very important place, at a very key important time. And now he's done that and now she doesn't really know anything about it from what we understand. And his wife is now six months along and it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, these, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her these words, and these are key words, he said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Will never end. One thing is for sure, but for Zechariah the priest, he was, he was commandeered by the Lord. He was taken over by God, but you may expect this for a priest because that's his job. That's his ministry. That's what he does. And in fact, he was going to be blessed by his barren wife giving birth to a child and a baby boy at that in this case. But Mary, a totally different scenario for her in some sense. She's She's just a young virgin woman, and uh, that is engaged, but not yet married to Joseph. Here she is in this scenario, and Mary had a lot to lose socially back then. She had everything to lose. And God hijacked her life. Their engagement then was much more formal than what it is now. In fact, at that time, uh, they were when they were saying we are engaged. They are saying it is a it's going to be a done deal. There's not a question. So it was so serious that if they were going to Mary and Joseph were going to part ways, they would actually have to write a certificate of separation or divorce 
because they were planned, they were betrothed, she was betrothed, and so it was a plan. So verse 29 says that she was troubled. That isn't much different than Zechariah who was scared out of his gourd when, when, the, uh, when the angel Gabriel comes in to where he was out of the temple. This was the same angel that approached Zechariah. We, we also know that he was not joking. In fact, uh, Zechariah lost his voice for nine months because of his response of unbelief. It seems like Mary doesn't even yet uh, know what has happened to Zechariah, but Mary receives this prophetic promise for her son and, and a name too, just like the other one, and, but he was to be called Jesus. The question is, how will Mary respond to God? How would you respond to God if God has hijacked your life? People respond to things in different ways. There was a, years ago, there was a study that was uh, conducted uh, by a university, and at the university, what they did is they, uh, they had a, an instructor come into the classroom, and they would have 10 subjects come into that room, students, and uh, they would draw three lines on a piece of paper, and uh, they had one line was the longest, and then the other two were shorter. And so what they would do is they would have basically one individual who was the person that didn't know what was happening, and so the instructor is there, and they, he would tell the other nine, hey, this is what we're going to do. Whenever I point to the, uh, sh the second longest line, I want you all to lift your hands. But they didn't tell that to the other subject. That other person, they, they just said when they came in, okay, the instructor's going to point to the longest line, and when he does, you raise your hand. And so when he got to the second longest line, the nine raised their hand. But then we see that uh, this, uh, the other person, the other subject, didn't know. They, they were raising their hand at, at the longest line. And when they would see what the others were doing, they'd be a little confused. And they said that 20, only 25% of the subjects that came in there would actually raise their hand for the longest line because everybody else was raising their hand for that second longest line. That's what the stats were for it kind of interesting for us to show that how much how important it is to have courage when you see something that is true to lift your hand for the right thing and I would say it took courage for the 25% to accept what was right and it also for Mary Mary would have been one of those 25% that said yes to God and she was courageous and she was open to God's plan for her life and let's look at the rest of the passage here. It says in verse 34, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And we're going to look at that word overshadow. But So the, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be un, unable to conceive is in her sixth month. The angel is letting her know, hey, God is doing another miracle besides this one as well, and you will see it. For, then he says, it says in verse 37, for no word, no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. 
may your word to me be fulfilled. So what, what was her response to God? Mary, Mary here, she's like, yes, God, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be uh, to me as you've said. And, and some may look at this and say, well, she's open to God, but she questioned him like Zechariah did. Well, maybe yes and no, but uh, it, 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 was, it wasn't the, quite the same kind of question in my mind, but the old priest said in some in, in verse uh, 17, he said, how can I be sure of this? I'm, old, I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. In some sense, he was saying, no way, Gabriel, tell me how. But Mary seems to say it a little differently in verse 34. How will this be since I'm a virgin? There seems to be a difference here. Zechariah had an attitude of unbelief, and Mary had an attitude of being unsure, but open to God's plan. We have to be open to God's plan. Mary was just an average uh, young lady from a small town in Galilee. She, just, uh, she is just starting her life and excited about the, the future. And Zechariah was a priest serving the temple in the city of Jerusalem. And he was responding to God in midlife and living, at a life, a living life at a speed, a high speed. And and, and maybe he was just a little jaded by life. We don't know. And was just living in the status quo in his spiritual journey. His response was not really one of faith. It's evident from what the, what the angel says there. But like James, the Lord's brother, he seems to be skeptical. He was spiritual, but he seemed to be skeptical. Mary was not. She was faithful to God and to her soon-to-be groom, and then the angel of God interrupted with a prophetic message. And her son Jesus would be called the Son of the Most High. In Isaiah, in the Old Testament, we find this. Uh, he, Isaiah prophesies, and he says in chapter 7, verse four, excuse me, 14, these words, he says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 1 verse 35 here says the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. In other words, it will be a virgin birth. That word overshadow also appears over in Exodus chapter 30 verse 35 or 40 verse 35 in the Greek Old Testament, Old Testament and refers to when God's presence overshadowed the tabernacle with the clouds. That happened, we know, in Numbers chapter 10, verse 34. But a similar reference to God's overshadowing presence appears in, in Jesus' transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, verse 34 as well. We see this overshadowing. It was something that's supernatural that God did through His power and through His ability. In the past, attempts have been made to draw parallels between this passage and pagan text. And you guys hear that stuff, but there is no really hint of a physical union here, and these parallels have been rejected by scholars. So what is the result of Mary's faith in this? It's the birth of Christ. It's, it's John, that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. It's God comes into the world as a baby, as a child, to come and to give us life that we may have redemption if we will put our faith and our trust in Him. 
Nothing better than that. Jesus came into this world so that we might have hope. Not so that we would just have trees and presents and lights and all those things. But that we would have the real gift of God. The real gift of God. The Son of God who came to give us life on the cross. So that we would have eternal life. And we see it here in Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 7. We see the birth of Christ here and that's what we're celebrating today. Luke chapter 2, verses one, verse 1 says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, just as Gabriel said it would be. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Even for Zechariah, as skeptical as he was, God answered his prayer. And God intervened and provided a son, not just any son, but He gave Christ for us. So we have to ask ourselves, what's our response to God? As He speaks to us on a regular basis, and sometimes He comes into our life and hijacks our life, and we say, God, we don't know which way to go. We need You. And uh, we don't know what to do. We're a little confused by it, especially if we haven't really had a relationship with Him. And all of a sudden, God jumps on the scene in our lives, and we say, what are we going to do with this? And we finally get over the shock, and we realize that God is saying, I have a plan for your life, and I care for you. He always has a plan for us. He always wants the best for us. He wants to work in our lives. And He wants to transform us. And to be able to do that, He sent His Son into this world as humble as it was, humble as a baby, born not, not in the Hilton, not in the Sheraton, but born probably in a cave. Born in that fashion. Not like royalty, but He was royalty. And then He grew up and He gave His life on the cross for us so that we might have life. Would you stand with me this morning? We need to be able to look to Him in faith. Sometimes things come into our lives unexpectedly. And some of the best things that we receive come to us without expectation. And we find that today as we celebrate Christmas and what Jesus has done for us. For many, it wasn't expected. All He was expected. It was prophesied that He would come. It was spoken that He would come, and He did. And we thank God for that, but we also recognize that sometimes God, when He works in our lives, we have to respond to Him and allow Him to work in us the way He desires. I want to challenge you this morning. If you have not put your trust in the now, you may know about it. You're here this morning. You may be aware of this of the message of the Savior. You may know about it. 
But it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to respond to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, work in my life. I accept what you've done. Today, I want to offer that to you. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this very special day as we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. As we put our faith in what you have done, we put our faith in the Son of God who gave his life on that cross in our place that we might be forgiven of our sin, that we may be brought into a right relationship with you. Father, I pray this morning that for each and every one of us that we would open our hearts and that, Father God, that you would work in us as we look to you as the author of faith. Father, we say, Lord, we trust in you. Like Mary, Lord, we trust in you. And we ask you to work in us and we put our faith in you. In Jesus' name.